Happy Monday, y'all, and welcome back to another issue of the Bucks and Six podcast. This is issue 14, back and we better version two. Now, I'm so sorry for being so MIA recently, but I have an excuse. I'm nearing the end of my uh, undergrad, so, you know, these kind of finals are, I guess, a lot more... I don't want to say a lot more important because every finals are important, but the semester is over, I'm back, and I'm better version two. That's not even a pun, but aside from that, yeah, the semester is over, I'm ready to get back into it, ready to talk about Bucks basketball and basketball in general. Now, moving on from that, let's get right into it. You guys know how we start off every issue, it's our take of the day. So, this take of the day is, with the Pacers looking to hit the reset button, Chris Duarte could blast off into the Rookie of the Year conversation. Now, if you don't know already, the Pacers have played their way into an epiphany that the entire league, that everybody who watches basketball somewhat knew. The Indiana Pacers are a team that, although good, like they've got really like a solid 10-man rotation of solid NBA players. It's a team that's mediocre. It's a team that will never really be fighting for not just a playoff spot sometimes, but eventually what every team wants to do. They're never going to be in contention for a chip. And I mean, you see how guys like Paul George, that's the reason they left. And just it's just that same kind of narrative going on and on. And now you see they've got franchise players. Well, I don't know about franchise, but an all-star like DeMontis Sabonis, a dude who's in the prime of his career or about to enter his prime, wasting away in a team that doesn't really give a shit about winning. A team that's like, I'm more focused on keeping asses in the seats rather than, you know, hanging a banner up potentially. And although at the end of the day, basketball is still a business, I think it's crazy that you don't want to have your franchise succeed and reach the highest possible level. But getting back to the take, I think Chris Duarte is really going to benefit from this. I mean, he's already one of the best rookies so far. Big cojones, no fear. I've seen him take some big shots already. Like literally in his first game, had a buzzer beater. Wasn't a game winner, but that very high pressure situation where it's the last shot to end off a frame and this dude sunk it. And if you look at him, he's having a really good season, averaging 13.5, 4-2, 36% from the 3 too. That's good shit. And I mean, him being one of the older rookies, it's not that surprising because given that he's had a quicker transition than some of the other guys. And we've seen that where with guys that typically spend more time in college, although, you know, they might not be a guy you want to build around long term. When they come into the league, they're a lot more solid. They're a lot more like better developed. I mean, the poster boy for that is literally the greatest power forward of all time, Tim Duncan. Dude spent four years at Wake Forest, came in and is now pound for pound, like consensus, no way unless Giannis catches him in chips, the greatest power forward of all time. But going back to the Canadians, so you know we got a ride for him, Chris Duarte. Again, he's having one of the better rookie seasons so far. And overall, again, when you look at the Pacers situation, he has the most to gain with the Pacers committing to a rebuild. I would think as of now, he's untouchable. Unless, you know, the Indiana's really swinging for like a big, swinging for the fences here. I mean, the only name I can think of where I would even consider throwing Chris Duarte in is the Sixers. If Ben Simmons, because if you guys don't know, Woj has been saying that those talks are really accelerating. Nothing's really materialized, but they're accelerating. <laughs> no, but if you look at a guy like Ben Simmons, they'd definitely be looking to get more back than just a Sabonis. Or not even just a Sabonis. They'd probably want a lot of their guys. However, if I were to give up Chris Duarte for a star in the NBA that's for sale, Ben Simmons might be that dude. However... I really don't see them giving up on Duarte this early. I mean, not necessarily giving up, but willing to ship him out. He's having a really solid year. And again, with them looking to blow shit up, Chris Duarte could blow up. Now, y'all know how we do it. I got to give that take a... Guaranteed! 
appreciate you always, Charles Barkley. Probably the greatest player to never win a chip. Now, now heading from our take of the day, let's get right into our superlatives. We got notable games here. Number one, Suns and Warriors, the first one. I mean, when you look at this game, this was a battle between the two best teams in the league record-wise, and this could very well be a Western Conference Finals matchup because, you know, the Lakers suck. <laughs> All that aside, I mean, if you look at it, this was the development of Macal Bridges for a DPOY conversation. I mean, he completely clamped Curry. The same thing happened, like, later on in another game against the Philadelphia Sixers. Not this. Not the, this Philadelphia 76ers where Curry really had a chance to blow, like, Ray Allen's to beat Ray Allen's record, but same thing. You put another lengthy wing on him, and he got clamped. But bringing it back to this game, this just further built that the Suns are a legitimate team and are just building off the momentum from last year. This just a showcase of how you beat the Warriors. You slow down Curry and make the rest of the team beat you. The Warriors put up a good fight, though. I mean, Jordan Poole came out with a game-high 28 points, but the Suns had a lot of contributors as well. Chris Paul, man, had a filled stat line, 15, 6, and 11, and five steals however not all is good as Devin Booker went out with a hamstring injury to this game and has not played a game since speedy recovery book heading from there we got a game that has a lot of local context is the word I want to use I don't know if that's the right word but it is a game with a lot of locals having a stake in it and it is the battle for New York the Nets versus the Knicks it's a close game I mean, this is probably, in my recent memory, this is probably the first time where both teams are among the cream of the crop in the East. Granted, the Knicks are kind of stinking it up right now, but they have a solid team. The Nets have a solid team. And I think this is one of the first times, if not the first time, that this has been a thing. It was a game with a lot of moments. I mean, a hard input back. I ain't never seen that in my life. Knicks came back. And just the exchange of the teams between each other down the stretch, it was crazy to see. To cap it off, a tying three from Evan Fournier. But... Out of all the players to seal the game, the game winners, James Johnson sealed it with some free throws. But I will say, Fournier's half-court winner, so close. So, so, so close. However, despite the Knicks losing, I think this was overall just a top-tier regular season game. Good stuff. After that, a game that I will talk more about later, but just had to show some love to how amazing it was in this section, the Bucks and the Hornets. I mean, it was wire to wire, came down to the last possession, had a big comeback in it, and it had all the makings of a solid regular season game, or just a game in general. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm going to talk about this later. However, just like I said earlier, had to show some love here. Moving on, the last one I'm going to talk about, Thunders and the Raptors. So close. Now, while the Nets and the Knicks had, you know, a local, I guess a local edge to it, this game had some national edge to it in that the Canadian sensations came home. And showed out, yo. I mean, let's just talk about it. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, in my opinion, the best Canadian right now. 26 points and 9 assists, including a perfect 12 for 12 from the line. Whew. Another Canadian, Lou Dort. A guy that nobody really had faith in, in the fact that he went undrafted. And now has really grinded his way to not only being a solid player, but one of the key players in the Thunder. Dude had a good game. 22-6-3. Um, okay, moving on from there. They had a good game too. I mean, Siakam looking like he's starting to get back on track. 23 and 11 and 5. 67% from the field. Whew. And the other guy I'm going to show love to, one, because I really don't understand why the Trailblazers traded him last year. And two, he is on my fantasy team. Gary Trent Jr. broke out of a small slump. You know, he's had some very, some very solid, okay games, but they're a guy they're paying a lot of money to to really be potentially franchise cornerstone maybe. Maybe, maybe he came, maybe not that big. Just a dude that they can really rely on. And he came out and balled out with 24 points. 
However, the main guy that really showed his ass out here, Justin Champagny, almost had the game of his life. Played an overall solid game, very much also down the stretch. And I mean, you see that how Nick Nurse has gave him nothing but praise. And I can see it, man. Dude was like, he was really grinding it out there in the end and really like proved to be one of the go-to guys in terms of just the overall game of basketball down the stretch for the Raptors. And he almost had a game winner, but literally just like a few milliseconds away from it like counting. But from the looks of it, it looks like you know, potentially another home run by Masai Ujiri and the Raptors front office. If there's one thing you can say about the Raptors, they know how to draft. They know how to sign undrafted free agents. I mean, look at it. Siakam outside the lottery, OG Ananobi outside the lottery, Fred Van Vliet, who's one of the best guards in the league, undrafted. I mean, if that's your track record, that's some, that's, that's good stuff. But that's going to do it for Notable Games. Now let's get into the team that is on fire. Let's take a little break though. Now, when it comes to the team that's really heating up right now, there's only one true answer right now. The Houston Rockets literally are on fire so badly that they broke a fucking record. If you don't know what the record is, I think it's in all the major sports. So that's like hockey, basketball, uh, baseball, football, I think. I don't know. I'm Canadian, so I only really watch two or three sports, really, not even just religiously, but in general. Now, getting, now, getting off that tangent... There is no team in all the major sports that has lost 15 in a row and have rallied back to go seven in a row. Now, that's crazy. And I think that, you know, I was somebody who was very much drinking the Kool-Aid of Kevin Porter Jr. Oh, this dude's going to play point guard. Whoo, going to be so sick. But the crazy thing is the Rockets are getting it done without two of their main guys in Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. That's not to say that those guys are good, aren't bad. Let me say that again. That's not to say that those guys are shit. But I think the way they play basketball, it's very much not necessarily team-oriented in that I think these are two guys that would prefer to go one-on-one. That's stuff that can work. When you look at how the Rockets have been playing now, they're playing a lot more team-oriented basketball, and it's good shit to see. I mean, they're finally playing some solid basketball. It's good to see, even if it's not always against top-tier teams. I mean, seeing one more win on your record is big for their confidence, especially considering that they went one in, like, 15 in the first bit. Or whatever, however bad their record was. Now, when it comes to them as a team, there's a lot of guys stepping up slash showing out. There are guys I'm going to cover later, but, I mean, y'all can probably guess from here. To get back to the Rockets as a whole, I think they're peak. They could potentially be that 10th seed play, and if they keep up heat like this, granted, they just lost to the Bucks the other day. However, that's a top-tier team. That's the loss that you're kind of expecting in a way. And they can really rally off another like win streak like this. Not necessarily like another seven plus game win streak. You know, some solid wins here and there. With Christian Wood playing how good he's playing. I mean, I don't want to say they're... Actually, no way they're a lock. But they have all the makings, I think, to make that 10th seed play in. Now their floor, though, they're going to be a bottom team. Hopefully get one of the upcoming big guys in the next draft. I mean, you know, Chet Holmgren, Paulo Benchero, those kind of guys. Now, I will say, though, the only alarming thing is I'm just hoping this momentum doesn't get squashed when the trigger happy boys come back, KPJ and Jalen Green. I could see I could either see them either lifting the team up even higher or they crash down to earth once again as one of the worst teams in the league. Because I love KPJ. He's still on my fantasy team. I, I don't know. If, I think it's just the fact that he dropped 50 on the Bucks last year. He's a guy that, despite all the turnovers, I think will really start to ramp back up into that you know, that solid state he was in last year. And I think him just saying to himself that, you know, I wasn't playing my game, seeing him transition to how he did after that statement, 
Could be some scary things there. Jalen Green, another dude that's been like solid here and there, but a little trigger happy. Nothing wrong with that, especially if you're a rebuilding team. When it comes to winning games, that's not necessarily something you want. Granted, when the shots are there, take your shots, but can't be trigger happy like that. But I mean, that's also how you get his shot against the Lakers where that was, that was insane. But just to reiterate, man, when it comes to teams that's on fire right now, the only correct answer is the Rockets right now. Now, heading from there, let's talk about a disappointing team. And in there, I've got three teams to talk about here. First off, the one that we talked about earlier, the Pacers. They're played their way into an epiphany that they're finally going to go into a rebuild. This is something that's been in the works for a long time, and it's something that should have happened so long ago. But I will say, they did have a low-key, a championship window. If they surrounded Paul George early in his prime, like going against Miami Heat one-on-one Paul George, I don't even want to imagine what that team could have been. That would have been crazy. With this Pacers rebuild, I'll talk about it later in my takeaways, but this could really shake up the league. Next disappointing team, the Lakers. They're going to be in this slot for a while. If you told me so many years ago that a team of LeBron, AD, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, and... Russell Westbrook would be a sub-500 team? Man, all hell would break loose. I will say, though, they're starting to somewhat put it together. But with the expectations set on them even being okay is equivalent to them being cheeks. Because, I mean, you saw all the people were like, oh, yeah, the Lakers, even though they're old, lock for the, lock for the finals, man. It's going to be a, it's gonna be a Nets, next Lakers finals. And I think that is uh, quite a bit of a... I don't know about that, buddy. But to just sort of... Uh, Wrap it up here with the Lakers because they're going to be here every week probably. This is supposed to be a team that's supposed to be one of the best teams in the league. Forget the Western Conference. The fucking league. And right now they're mid as fuck. And the last team we're going to talk about here hurts my heart because it's the team I fuck with on the West Coast. The Trailblazers. I think the way their season's going right now, they're definitely heading towards hitting that reset button. And as much as I hate to say it, I don't know if Dame will be a Blazer by the end of the season. I love that he's a loyal man. We saw that in Giannis. I think the fact that he won this year just gave even more ammo to him wanting to be so loyal. But when a team dogs you by signing a 6'3 small forward to $90 million, the fuck are you supposed to do with that? Not get me wrong. I love Norman Powell. Him as my three? I'm not going to win a chip with that. Like, really, I don't understand why they gave up Gary Trent Jr. That dude, man, that dude's special. Norman Powell's special too, but not special enough to warrant the fact that he's pay, getting paid $90 million to be a small forward and he's only 6'3". Granted, I think the Trailblazers are definitely going to turn it around. They'll definitely be a playoff team. Does Dame really want another season to be bounced out in the first or second round? I don't know about that. Now, heading from our disappointing team, let's talk about some guys who are really hooping. Let's talk about our notable players. First guy I'm going to show some love to was the MVP last year, Nikola Jokic. Since coming off his wrist injury, dude's been hooping. Hasn't scored less than 17 points in a game. Has had a double-double each of those games, as well as three triple-doubles on top of that. Whew. I will say, though, as good as he's playing, the only reason I can't see him repeating is just the fact that the Nuggets are a 500 team at 13 and 13 at the time of the recording. Two of their best players, the two guys who are getting paid max money alongside Nikola Jokic, are injured. Like MPJ might not even play this season. Jamal Murray is going to come towards the end of the season, if that at all. And I just think as good as Nikola Jokic is, as much as he's a generational talent, as much as he's the best center in the league, 
I don't know if that's just going to strictly lift you to the playoffs like that. Well, it probably will. I think Nikola Jokic and just the Denver Nuggets as a whole aren't at the point where they're like, we just want to make it to the playoffs. They want to be a contender. And I think that team healthy is definitely one of the best teams in the West. I mean, you look at the firepower they have, man, as well as the, like, the best passer, best passing center to perhaps even ever play the game. They have a nice team. It's just that it's very much like how the Warriors were these past couple years. Everybody knows they're a good team with the injuries. It's just not showing that on paper. And I think just that on top of their like the way their record could shape up to be, I don't know if Joker is going to repeat as much as he is playing at an MVP level. Now, moving on from there, the second guy I want to talk about is Trey Young. He's averaging 26 and 10 right now. That is fucking nutty. He should be selected to what should be his third all-star game. He got snubbed last year just because motherfuckers were granted. It was kind of warranted with how like cheap he was in foul hunting, but I think he was one of the guys that I really thought would be hampered by it. However, you look at his numbers, I don't think that's really happening. I will say though, still a bit of a defensive liability. However, despite that, consensus top five point guard nonetheless. The Hawks are a deep team with one of the next big duos with Young and Collins. I mean, they have the makings to be a force in the East for the foreseeable future. And this is all with the fact that the Hawks are helmed by Ice Trigger Trey Young. Now, heading from those two notable players, let's talk about some surprising players. Some dudes who, you know, every NBA player is a good basketball player, no doubt. But there are always some guys who kind of sneak under the radar and start to be like, whoa, this dude can really hoop. Let's talk about those guys. Now, when it comes to surprising players, I'm not going to lie. I'm cheating a little bit here because here I have slated the Houston Rockets as a whole. Because, I mean, again, 2-15 and and they rifle off 7 straight. That is crazy. But, I mean, some guys I want to highlight here. Jayshon Tate had a massive game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. 32 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, and 5 blocks. That is insane. Especially considering that this dude was undrafted. And despite that, he made all-rookie team last year. I think what the Rockets have here is another solid dude who could really be a part of their team long-term and could potentially be a part of the team that gets the Rockets into the promised land. Not of a chip, but just back to being like one of the forces in the West. Next guy, man, as I said earlier, Christian Wood. He's playing a lot better overall. I mean, he looks like the best player on the team, which in my opinion, he is. And shoot, this guy was a borderline all-star player last year. I don't think that's happening this year with how their record is right now. But he could either be looking at becoming the franchise player here, or if they're really tanking and he wants to win now, could be another guy that could be looked to be on the trade market. He's not getting paid that much. I think either right around or slightly less than $20 million, that's a bargain for a guy like Christian Wood. I think he's a guy that could really take over not necessarily take over for a team, but could really put that team over in terms of taking over, in terms of their conference, their division, all that stuff. And the last guy, the dude that I guarantee nobody saw this dude playing as good as he's been playing, Garrison Matthews. I mean, since the sidelining of Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., this dude has took his opportunity and ran with it. When it comes to his numbers, he's averaging 17 a game from the beginning of their win streak to the end of it. And this is all considering that this dude is definitely someone that was probably going to be out of the league soon. I mean, when you look on 2K, he's at the very bottom of the most, or like towards the very bottom of rosters. And this dude is playing like a bona fide stud. But yeah, little bit of cheating there, but the Houston Rockets were playing too good to not give them some love there. Now heading from there, let's talk about just some general takeaways I have from the past couple weeks of watching. 
Number one, this one's going to definitely sound like I'm drinking the Rockets Kool-Aid, but I'm doubling down on it. The Rockets have the tools to be a solid team. They were on a seven-game win streak, something that's never been done by a bottom-seeded team. I'm just hoping that this gives them momentum for them to keep going and just, you know, really build off the core they have there and potentially look at, you know, maybe even shock the world and make a play-in spot. <laughs> Probably not going to happen, but crazier things have happened in the league. Next up, wherever the Pacers trade away their main pieces could have immense ramifications on their league, and I think really shake things up. I think this is particularly evident with wherever Miles Turner goes, because if you put him on the Warriors, I think they're a lock for the chip. Maybe not the chip, because I think the Bucks would still match up very well against them, but definitely a lock for the West to make it to the finals. And yeah, I think out of all their pieces, he's probably the most valuable in that, you know, every player loves defense. Or not every player. Every team loves defense. And every team loves shooting the three. And Miles Turner is like top tier center at all those things. So I think out of all their players, as much as DeMontis Sabonis is an all-star, I think out of all of them, Miles Turner is perhaps the most valuable. But regardless, I don't see like either of those guys, you know, Karis LeVert, DeMontis Sabonis, Miles Turner. I don't see any of them being in a Pacers jersey in the near future. TJ Warren doesn't have much value right now, considering he hasn't played basketball since the bubble. And yeah, so these next few weeks are going to be crazy, especially up towards the trade deadline. I mean, I'm hoping that these guys get traded soon just so we can see how they would really gel with their new team and they have the most time to really gel with them. But we will see wherever these Indiana players go really has the chance to have a big impact on who ends up winning this year. Moving on from there, Portland is giving Dame every reason to leave. But with how loyal Dame is, I don't think he'll leave unless they don't make the playoffs after being in the race. And another thing, whew, this just in, or not this just in, this has been talked about for the past couple of days. We could see Ben Simmons in the near future. Woj reported that trade talks are gaining momentum. And man, I think... As much as Ben Simmons has been everybody's like punching bag these past few like months, dude still has the makings to be not just a great player, but one of the best to ever do it. I mean, Kobe even said if he was in Ben Simmons' shoes, he wouldn't want to be in the position where at the end of the career he looks back and is like, man, what if I developed a jumper? I think with Ben Simmons, just with how the Philadelphia environment is, that's definitely run its course. There's no way he's going to play back there. Now, wherever he goes... They give him the keys and just let him do his thing. Ben Simmons is a DPOY level player and has all the makings to be, again, one of the greatest to ever do it, in my opinion. If he really put his nose to the grindstone, started getting his shot down, this dude would literally be a more muscular, I don't want to use the word Kevin Durant, but just from a build size, just, you know, being a guy that can raise above anyone and not worry about, like, being contested heavily, that could be Ben Simmons, man. Now, that's me being, like, optimistic as a motherfucker, but that's what you got to be with Ben Simmons. I think he's a guy that really wants to succeed, but with just how he's been treated those past few months, there is no evidence that Philadelphia is really that place where that'll happen. And finally, this one is fucking nutty. If people forgot about COVID, let's just look at all the players who are out because of safety and health protocols. LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Jalen McDaniels, Derek Jones Jr., DeMar DeRozan, Kobe White, Zach Levine, Javante Green, Austin Rivers, Dylan Brooks, John Morant, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Richardson. That's not everyone, but if you look at those names, that's like a solid NBA team, like, like definitely a solid playoff team. 
And seeing that all those guys are out right now. Oh, and I forgot RJ Barrett even. So, man, it's just crazy to see how health and protocols have really affected the game. And to the fact that, I mean, if you look at the Bulls, I think they only have nine guys who can suit up right now. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the league handles this hurdle. It's definitely something that they're going to have to adjust to. And I don't know what the situ or what the solution would really be, but yeah, that's just something to really look out for in the coming future. However, that is going to do it for this section. But before that, let's just do a little review of everything I've talked about so far. So for notable games, we've got Suns Warriors, Nets Knicks, Bucks Hornets, which we're going to talk about soon, and the Thunders and Raptors. For on fire, the Rockets, disappointing, Pacers, Lakers, Trailblazers, notable players, Nikola Jokic and Trigger Trey Young. Surprising players, the Houston Rockets as a whole, but particularly Jay Sean Tate, Christian Wood, and Garrison Matthews. And takeaways, the Rockets have the tools to be a solid team. Wherever the Pacers trade away their main pieces could really have an impact on the league. Portland, giving Dame every reason to leave. And... Ben Simmons could be playing basketball soon. Yes, sirree. And, man, there are so many players out with COVID protocols. If you took them and put them all on one team, it would be a very solid team. Now, that was a lot to digest. So we're going to take a little break here before we talk about what y'all are here for, the Milwaukee Bucks. See y'all in a bit. All right, so to start this section talking about the boys, let's just start with some takeaways. Number one. The Milwaukee Bucks are playing championship basketball, except for that third Miami Heat game. But if you take that away, they're playing very solid. After that, Javante Smart, guard out of LSU, showing some really great flashes. Egg could potentially work himself into the rotation later on, especially if injuries happen. Next one, this one hurts my heart, but it would seem that Bud has begun to lose a little faith in Nuara, with Nuara losing minutes and even picking up some DNPs. Moving on from there, even without Brooke, the Bucks have been very solid defensively. They have a 106.3 defensive rating, which is good for sixth. Next one after that. Ooh. As much as I love the, or as much as I hate that Brooks out right now, one dude who's been making the most of his opportunity is Bobby Portis. And he could see himself in all-star conversations with how solid he's been playing after that. Another one that kind of sucks. Grayson Allen is in a slump right now. Has not been playing like has not been closing out the past couple games, and I think that's something that could potentially like be very alarming. However, had a decent bounce-back game against the Knicks today, but with Dante DiVincenzo coming back, it's going to be interesting to see how this shapes up. And last one, Giannis had his first bad game of the season, and Twitter looked like they were fucking waiting on it. That's crazy. They're all just waiting for Giannis Antetokounmpo to have one bad game, and then boom, compare them to AD. Which, in my opinion, AD is nowhere near as good as uh, Giannis anymore. That is a very, very, very bold take from me. Don't get me wrong. Anthony Davis is great. But after he won his ring, dude ain't been the same since. Now, moving on from there, let's talk about each of these games individually. We're going to start off with the Pacers. Man, it's crazy thinking that this game happened two weeks ago. But this is just me kind of making sure I cover everything. Now, with the Pacers, this was our seventh win in a row. And I mean... 118 to 100, so you know the game was never really that close, but let's look at these numbers. I mean, if you look at the Indiana Pacers, Karis LeVert really balled out, 23 points. Malcolm Brogdon had a decent showing against his former team, as well as Chris Duarte and TJ McConnell both having 10 points apiece. However, no one cares about that. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, just look at these numbers. Six guys in double figures. Ooh, 
Giannis leading the way with 26 and 13. Drew Holiday really shoot, really showed out against his brother. 23-7 and 9. Nice. Chris Milton, 14-5 and 5 with two steals. Nice. Bobby Portis, 15 and 6. Nice. Pat Connaughton, 14 and 7. Very nice. And George Hill chipping in with 13, 6, and 2 and two steals of his own. Very nice to see. Now, I didn't really get to watch this game because uh, I have practices on Sunday, but I did watch the highlights, and man, y'all can see why the Pacers are heading towards the rebuild. That's all I'm going to say. Now, if I had to give a tagline to this one, keep applying that pressure. Now, heading from there, in that cringe-ass fucking headline, let's talk about the Hornets. Now, when it comes to the game against the Hornets, the tagline I have is a playoff preview? Question mark? Now, this made it eight in a row, but if you looked at it at the day of the game, this would have been a third and sixth seed matchup. So that would have been, again, that would have been a playoff matchup. I will not going to lie, though. Hornets fucking dogged us from three. They had a 16-point lead after the first quarter and 41 points. I've talked about a lot on this podcast, but man, whenever you give up 40 points to a team in the first quarter, it's going to be a long day. That's all I'm going to say. But I'm never going to doubt the Milwaukee Bucks, man. But it did have me a little worried, I can't lie. But then I remembered, the Hornets have one of the worst defenses in the league. And I mean, this looks like a playoff game, honestly. Lots of back and forth. Things even got a little chippy between Miles Bridges and Giannis. I don't know where that came from, but that was there. Now, when it came to the Hornets, six dudes in double figures. Scary Terry with 10-3-8 with three steals. Noise. Gordon Hayward, 18-3-5. Kelly Oubre Jr. torched us from the bench with 25. Man, Miles Bridges, 22-9, including a super-duper close-game winner. Like, man, I was about to shit my pants if that went in. Man, that was all futile. However, before we get to that, LaMelo with the game of his life so far. 36 points, 5 rebounds, 9 assists, and 3 steals. Not to mention, he tied the game off like, it literally looked so much like the Damian Lillard game winner against Houston. He had a 3 just like that. And he really showed why he's not only one of the best young players, he's one of the best players, period. And with this game, I mean, his whole play in general has really already solidified it. But in my opinion, he will definitely be an all-star this year. However, that don't matter because the Bucks won. Let's talk about them boys. Seven players in double digits. Chris Middleton, 21-6-5, included some very clutch shots down the stretch. Grayson Allen with a nice 16-7-2-2. However, that don't matter. Because Giannis Antetokounmpo with an MVP-level performance, 40 points, 12 rebounds, 9 assists, not to mention a game-winner. And just another few couple notes here. This was the season debut of Boogie Cousins, who had a solid first game back, 7 points and 4 rebounds. This is all considering that he hasn't played basketball since the playoffs last season. And he's just a dude that I'm very excited to like see back on the court, especially the fact that he's in a Bucks uniform. Very beautiful. Now, heading from there, let's talk about the Raptors. Now, when it came to the team in the six, I had to give this one the tagline, a winning loss. Now, let me expand on that. No Giannis, so this was very much a next man up situation. Chris and Drew showed why they're two of our best players. Chris finished with 2-2, two 8-2. And two, and two. Drew had a solid stat line, though. I mean, 26-6-8. Grayson and Bobby also hit double figures, though. However, I think Mamu... You know, Sandro, Mamu Kalishvili had a very solid game, 8-10. and 10. I think even though we lost, you love that the game was close. This is very much like the, what game was it? The Celtics. 
our very first game against the Celtics this season, it was a similar situation where we had no Giannis, so we were very much relying on other guys to get it done. And although we didn't get it done, the fact that it was close, you love to see that. But when it comes to the Raptors, man, I got to give them their flowers. Fred Van Vliet fucking torched us. 29 points, 5 and five and 4. Siakam, 28 and 4, man. But I think despite them keeping it a close game with the Bucs, they were in the driver's seat the entire time and never really allowed the Bucs to get back into the game. Now from that loss, let's talk about a game that a lot of people, especially me, have had circled. The first game against the Heat. Let's get right into it. The tagline I have here is right back at you, bitch. No, but this is a good bounce back from the Toronto loss. No Giannis, but that didn't matter this time because both teams were without key players. The Heat had no Bam Adebayo and no Jimmy Butler. Now, moving on from there, let's talk about the Bucks. Solid team effort. Mamu got his first start, which was cool to see, but quickly got into foul trouble. Now, when it came to the boys, no one really dogged the Heat, but good team effort here. Drew, 16-5-7. Cash money, 22-6-9. The Nassus had a crazy game. Or not crazy, but good, good stat line. 10-4 and in 16 minutes. And Boogie, Boogie balled out with his 11 minutes because he finished with 11-5-2. However, the two MVPs of this game are definitely Bobby Portis, 19-6-3 with two blocks and two steals. And Pat Connaughton. Team high, 23 points with four rebounds. Man. Now, when it came to the Heat, they played okay, but no one player really stood out. Most was probably Max Struess with 25, but with a lot of that coming in garbage time. This game was a lot of fun to watch, especially as, again, you see how teams operate without their star players, and you just saw that the Bucks were really the better team that day. However, both teams were not at full strength, and that even happened with uh, the next game against the Heat. We'll talk about that later. I just want to see these two guys play against each other at full strength, because I think that would be super dope to see. And the way it's looking, or not the way it's looking, I'm pretty sure we're not playing them again this year. Uh, might just have to hope for another series against them in the playoffs, but we'll see. From there, we're going to head on to another team in the East that's been very hot. Talk about the Cavs. Now for the Cavaliers, the tagline I have here is a true test for the Cavs. Now, the Cavs have been one of the biggest surprises of the year so far. Everybody knows that. They've had solid wins up to this point. But none of them have been against any of the top, top, top tier teams. And that would remain the same with Milwaukee because we took care of business at home. However, after this game, the Cavs would win against Chicago. So, you know, maybe we gave them the extra little fire to be like, you know, we can beat the big teams because we didn't lose that badly, but we still lost. Nah. Let's talk about the Bucks here. The big three, all with 20 plus. You'll love to see it. Drewski, 27 and 8 with two blocks and a steal. Chris Middleton, 21, 3 and 8. Giannis. 27-12-2, and two, and which is solid contributions from all around, though. Bobby had a double-double, and Pat had 12 off the bench. You love to see it. Now, with the Cavs, they were led by the Fro, 25-9 and nine with two blocks, and the Marksman, Laurie Markkinen, 20-7. and seven. And overall, despite the Bucks having significantly more toner, turnovers with 16-9, to nine, we out-rebounded the fuck out of them with 53-39. to 39. You love to see it. Now, let's talk about a very fluky game, in my opinion. <laughs> the second game against the Heat. Let's get right into it. Now, the tagline I have here for the Heat game is, didn't see that coming. Because the Miami Heat came back with a vengeance. Despite having the lead at the half, the Heat got another, got into another gear and the Bucks just couldn't get to. They just got outplayed by the Heat, in my opinion. They not dominated, but just outplayed. And man, NBA Twitter was waiting on this kind of game. They just shat on the Bucks, but that's okay. You know, haters in my motivator. 
I'm sorry about that. Now, when it came to the Bucks, Drew led the way here. 27, 4 and 4 with 2 and 1. Good stuff. Chris Middleton, 26 and 4. Bobby, 18 and 7. However, you hate to see it, but Giannis with his worst game of the season so far with 15, 6 and 4, which doesn't look that bad, but this is considering that he also shot 4 for 13. So bad efficiency, but everybody has their off nights. Now, when it came to the Heat, though, off night is anything but what happened to them because they came to play. Kyle Lowry with 22 points and 13 assists. Holy. PJ Tucker, a dog. And he dogged us for 15, 7, and 8. Casey Ogpala even had a nice line. 10 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, and 2 blocks. Very nice. And Max Struess, he made some tough shots, especially in meaningful, like, PT this time. And he had 16. However, the love's got to go to Caleb Martin. Boy's definitely going to play his way into a full contract because he's a two-way player right now. He had the game of his life. 28-8-3 with two blocks. You know, he was shooting that thing. He was cutting to the basket. Just overall a solid dude instead of that, you know, that borderline could make the roster, could not two-way player. I think I'm definitely hoping that this dude gets a full contract because that game showed that he definitely deserves it. Now, from that defeat... Let's talk about the game that was against one of the hottest teams in the league that time, the Rockets. Now with Houston, the tagline I have here is a historical night in H-Town. The Rockets had some crazy momentum coming in here and were not playing like a bottom seeder team. They made the Bucks work for that win. When it comes to the Rockets, shoot. Garrison Matthews balled out. Team high, 23 points, 4 rebounds with 2 steals and 2 blocks. Armani Brooks, undrafted dude. Holy hooped out as well. 21-5-3. Eric Gordon, solid game. 14.6 assists. Alperen Shangun, looking like an absolute stud. 15-5. Had some solid post work and even got Bobby a couple good times. But Christian Woodman, the former Buck. Solid game. 21-13. Now when it comes to the boys though, the Bucks came to hoop. I mean, let's just go through this. Drew Holiday, 12-3-7. Chris Middleton, 21-8-5. Bobby Portis, 21-8 with an assist, two steals, and three blocks. Pat Connaughton, 16-6 with three steals and two blocks. But Giannis Antetokounmpo came back from his stanker with 41 points, 17 rebounds, five assists, three steals, and two blocks. Talk about a comeback game. But man, in doing so, Giannis became the Bucks' all-time leader in blocks. Now, when you look at Giannis and his trajectory, I think he'll definitely own a majority of the franchise records. He already owns blocks. Free throw attempts, defensive rebounds, triple doubles, and some advanced ones as well. This was a historical night in Houston. And the fact that the Houston Rockets heading into here, again, no team in the history of major sports has ever had the kind of streak that they went on. And with the Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo became the all-time leader in blocks for that franchise. And he's only going to continue to build on that record with how he's playing. From Houston, we're heading back to New York. Let's talk about the game against the Knicks. That's happening. That happened today on the day that I'm recording. Now, when it came to the game against the New York Knickerbockers, there's only one tag I could have here. Bing bong! Now, now that I got that out of my system, it was one and one in the series, so it was intriguing to see who'd take the series here. This was the first game against the Knicks since they gave Kemba the boot to the bench. However, there was also no RJ Barrett, and playoff Randall made an appearance. As Julius Randall went 8, 10, and 7 with 7 turnovers. Not to mention he was also 22% from the field. But 
it was not all bad for New York. Quentin Grimes, in his first career start, decided to hoop 27-3-3-3 with seven three-pointers. Crazy. And Kevin Knox, a dude that a lot of people have labeled as a bust, took advantage of his time with 18-5. and That included five three-pointers. Now, when it came to the Knicks, though, they did what they could with what they had. Respect. You know, it just was not enough against the best team in the Eastern Conference. Because the Bucks were not playing around here. Seven players scored 10 plus. Let's go through them all. Chris Milton with a team high 24 alongside eight rebounds, four assists, two steals. Giannis had a triple double 20, 10, and 11. Bobby, in his return to the garden, had a very nice game 19 and 10 on top of three steals. Rodney Hood decided to show up. Good shit. Solid game with 14 points. Drew, 13, 4, and 5. Grayson, after having a bunch of small, much a few games here with less than double digits, came back with 12. Pat Conton with 10. So this was just a good team effort all around. Now, overall, a good solid win. The ball was moving really well and it was the first time the Bucks held a team to under 100 points since the Pistons in November. And again, seven players in double figures. Giannis just bolstering his MVP candidacy case. Cash money balled out. Showed why doubling Giannis is not a consistent strategy anymore. There's more chemistry with this team. Ball moves a lot quicker. And there will always be a shot available if Giannis gets doubled. So in conclusion, the Bucks took the series, the regular season series against the Knicks. There's definitely not a team that the Knicks want to run to in the playoffs. Especially if Julius Randle is playing like playoff Randle. Now from all those games we just talked about, let's talk about ones that are upcoming. On the day that this podcast is releasing, we're playing the Celtics. If Giannis plays... Should be a W. We had a good game against them last time, even though we lost. And this is a preview of Christmas. So it's going to be very nice to see this. Next up, the Pacers. Again, a team that played themselves into being sellers. Should not even sniff a close game against the, against the Bucks, in my opinion. And the last one before the next issue should be released is the Pelicans. A struggling team without their cornerstone. But Jonas Valanciunas has been playing like a borderline all-star this season. So good to see with these three games, I can definitely see us going 3-0. and oh, The only one I think could potentially give us problems could be the Celtics because they're a team that, despite their record being pretty meh right now, are a team that definitely has the personnel to be one of the top teams in the East, and they're just a team that's kind of going through it right now. So we'll see. Definitely going to be great to watch these all. And shoot, I'm excited. The Bucks are, again, playing their best basketball so far. Now, speaking of best, let's head over into our co-MVP award. Now, when it comes to this co-MVP award, there are a lot of guys that could get it. There's three, in my opinion. Number one, Drew Holiday, our point guard. Super solid, but has the tendency to have some very poor shooting nights. But that's okay, because he's our defensive anchor, aside from Giannis. Number two, Bobby Portis, who's playing like a borderline all-star and isn't even getting paid like one. One of the most selfless guys in the league and one of my favorite players. But... When it comes to being co-MVP, when it comes to that with the Bucks, there's only one guy, and that's Chris Middleton. Truly is the backbone of this team. Won't put up monster numbers like Giannis all the time. However, may even have rough shooting nights. But when it really matters, Chris Middleton turns into Michael Jordan, swear to God. Now, he's had 20-plus points in the last seven games, which is tied for a career high. Been super solid when Giannis is out. And just again... He's that backbone slash solid leader that the Bucks need alongside Giannis. And I'm just so happy that these two really made it out the mud, got a chip together. Super great to see. And man, just like Giannis said, it's going to be a sad day when he retires. But I'm not even thinking about that right now because Chris Middleton is playing super good basketball right now.
Now, if I'm talking about the co-MVP, let's just tie a nice little bow on this week here, or past few weeks. So it's been another great past few weeks of Bucks basketball. Crawled our way back into second in the conference. No doubt we'll be first eventually. And man, it is insane how deep this team is. They're playing great basketball. Still some things to clean up, but that's what you want in the regular season. Particularly, I'm excited for DeMarcus Cousins. Been okay so far. Had some solid stints. You can definitely see the rust though. He gets blown by often. This should only approve with time and ramping just back up. However, such a big blow with no Brook for the foreseeable future. But I think that just means that Boogie can really ramp up in my opinion. Most, like, if all our centers are healthy, I mean, let me just read off this rotation. Brook, dog. Boogie, dog. Bobby, the ultimate dog. It's so crazy to see that that's our center rotation. And I think if they're all healthy, again, one of the deepest in the league. Speaking of deep, Aside from that, Dante is back. Look at our guard rotation here. Drew, dog. Grayson, dog. Dante, dog. George Hill, dog. Javante Smart has been solid in limited minutes and is definitely an upgrade over Robinson, especially with him being almost a half a foot taller. But the crazy thing here is that we're not even halfway through the season and the improvement is crazy. The way the East is going to be looking at the next couple of weeks, particularly with how the Bulls are being shitted on with protocols right now, could definitely see the Bucks and Nets start to create some separation in the East. But I can't wait for this team to see what they look like healthy. In my opinion, definitely as loaded, if not more stacked in the Warriors. I think that's particularly due to the center depth, something that the Warriors don't really have. Regardless, that is going to do it for another issue of the Bucks and Six podcast. I appreciate y'all listening in. And yeah, I think with school being over for now, definitely going to be excited to crank out a bunch of episodes here. Or not episodes, issues, as I like to call them, because I don't want to be... Man, I hate that I'm kind of bougie with that, but... I don't know, that's just something I want to do. Regardless, appreciate y'all listening in. And remember, the only guarantees in life are death, taxes, and bucks and six. Take care, y'all.